Hello and welcome to the Marketing Pod podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Jason Riseborough. Hi, Jason. Hi. Jason is a marketer and communications specialist with a wealth of experience gained by working for the likes of Capita, Eon and Arup. So in today's podcast, we'll be asking him to call on his B2B expertise and talk us through some of the changes that he believes are ahead in digital marketing. In particular, we'll be focusing on um, the question of trust, on how recent digital trends might have eroded it, and more importantly, what Jason thinks um, B2B brands can do to restore it. So I think it's fair to say that the events of this year have created quite a renewed focus on the power of digital marketing. So Jason, when it comes to effective digital strategies, are businesses broadly getting it right, do you think? Yes and no. I think that it's, I know this is B2B, but I think that when you look at digital, I think digital goes across just all all sectors and all audiences. Um, what I've noticed more through the pandemic and, and where we are now is the use of social and how social has really probably even taken over even more than actually I think people were expecting, like marketeers were expecting. The way that you're seeing a lot of user-generated content, even more so Instagram with their videos and even LinkedIn now has actually changed their platform and brought videos into there. So you can immediately see the learnings that that kind of those traditional digital platforms like LinkedIn, which is very business focused, has taken learnings and education from its parent company and brought those that those tools into you know in, into the sort of the b2b marketing sphere i've got to be honest i've kind of looked at a couple of those videos and just gone because I, I i i for me i find that where i'm engaging in that content is more when someone's created it as an individual post and it's actually in your wall and you're scrolling up and down i think that is where it feels more natural and it's less pushy and it's something that I want to talk about later on, but also it becomes more authentic as well. I think B2B and digital actually work really well together. I think that there's there's always been that historic thing of like B2C is the way forward and then B2B learns from there. But I think that B2B is, you have to be slightly more polished because you're in, your audience is generally going to be more informed. And that's not been detrimental to the, the, the consumer, it's, but it's just because it's more of an implied, you know there's going to be a purchase and it's, it's about relationship building. And, and I always think that B2B has been has been at that forefront of actually creating more polished content. And I think that content, digital content as it goes forward will have to improve. It'll be interesting to see what YouTube does because I kind of think that YouTube has kind of, there's been a little bit more of a disconnect. YouTube for me, and I'm sure you get lots of comments on these podcasts, YouTube for me is the world's second largest search engine. And I think it's based on those algorithms about getting eyeballs onto your website, not necessarily great content in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. With Because like, obviously everyone's at home now pretty much um, and kind of teams are scattered all over the place and that's really true so everyone's spending more time looking at content going through stuff on their phones you know and looking through LinkedIn in the world of B2B how are people able to create that kind of authenticity like you like you say and that trust between them and the end user when everyone's kind of a bit more disparate there's so much more digital comms at the moment how do they create that kind of much more authentic cut through and trust I guess trust in B2B brands Really good point. I think it's about 
showing like when you're creating some of that content it's actually using the environment that those people are in i think it's uh, certainly you've you, i've seen now a lot more of the banking tv ads are based on their team but actually in their ho- their own home straight away it kind of gives you that reassurance i think you know it's that it's that key word that we're going to speak a lot about it's be, it's authentic and i think that it's technology is an enabler and i think people get really far like worried at times about technology and certainly in b2b i think technology and like oh my god i don't understand it or is it really for us isn't it just for the kids in that sense which is really lame it's it's not for the kids like we're using technology today the four, the four of us here are not in the same room so i think that technology enables people to actually create that content i think that what we've got to look at is just making it just feel natural to actually the presenter to the person that's talking because then that comes across as authentic don't make it too scripted yeah absolutely it's tricky i guess b2b brands like you said their consumers are more informed so it's how do you create that resonance with the audience because they are more informed but without it looking scripted or too polished even or just do you know what I mean and a bit more real yeah I mean it's it's interesting because you'd look at like so recently I don't know if you if you saw it Burger King so recently Burger King put out a social post encouraging their their customers to actually go and buy burgers at McDonald's because McDonald's was then donating money to charity now straight away that isn't a consumer piece of content that goes across all different elements because it's a brand building piece it's about business because they're going do you know what like you know it didn't make me want to come out and buy a burger like a whopper as an example but what i did do is recognize it and then months later bring it up on this podcast and i think that that's where it's authentic and what they're able to do and and, and as, as a big brand is they're willing to cut through just you know not worrying about market share but actually encouraging people to go go and get a burger because look they're doing such a great thing it's no thing on this this one uh, the reason I, I laugh at this one it actually caused a bit of a divide in our team didn't it Jen some people love that advert whereas I think some of us probably the more cynical bunch and I put myself in that camp didn't like it at all because I think for me and I mean I was in that bar humbug camp what um the reason they were doing it was for that PR it was a PR stunt for that very reason because they then overtly went out there if they'd have gone a bit further and said, buy off small independent takeaways in your community, that would have rang as a bit more authentic to me. So it did cause a massive divide, didn't it, Jen? In, in a, we had a whole WhatsApp discussion about it. <laughs> it did. It's interesting. It's whether or not you believe the motive behind that as being actually genuine and saying, do you know what, these guys are doing a good thing, so it won't hurt if you go and buy a burger from them. It's, you know, it's good all round type thing, or whether you see it as a bit more of a PR exercise, in which case, yeah, I agree, it would have been nicer for them to reference the high, your, your little uh, little high street, possibly. But also, the two arguments that you two have brought up is exactly why people shouldn't be afraid of pushing content out there. Because regardless of whatever, it's like, were, was it a PR stunt? Were they being authentic? They will know. But the perception and what we're dealing with, and it's a great indicator, is like, you've got two people that run the aid, like co-founders of the same agency, running that agency. You're not going to believe in it the same thing. You're going to come at it differently. That's because we're marketing to people. And it's about that perception about and what resonates. And you're right, Jodie, you kind of go, oh, was it PR stuff? 
but it still made you have a conversation about it. It's actually, it's engaging, it's created an engagement, it's created a reaction. And as much as you look at it and go bar humbug, you are the, the biggest person around Christmas. So in that sense, like, like, why are you questioning giving when actually that's all you want to do? It's, I, I just, I, I, I loved it because it created a reaction. And I think that that's what's really important about marketing is that you're creating a reaction and you shouldn't be afraid of the reaction that you cause. What you've got to do is make sure you've got everything backing it up to respond to those reactions. So I think where B2B need to sometimes get better is like, if they're going out and using social channels, make sure you've got a team to engage with conversation that's happening on those social channels. There's a lot of businesses that will publish and go, we've published. No, no, no. Social is social. It's about conversation, two-way conversation. Don't be afraid of doing that. And I think that's where businesses need to sometimes improve. Which is worse than not posting content at all, isn't it? Absolutely. So I think that that's where businesses have to, and marketing teams have to get slicker in the sense of, if you're publishing it, be ready to respond to it. Because do you know what? People are going to respond. On that note, in terms of, we've seen a massive rise as people are in this in, in digital environment more so now than ever, of people looking for reviews um, and looking for um, feedback and testimonials it kind of rings true there as well people shouldn't be afraid to ask for feedback and not hide it to share those negative ones and also demonstrate how they respond to that as a that something that aligns back to their own values what's your experience with that i think there's there's always going to be comments that what you're going to do is ignore because then you hope it then falls down past the page fold right okay we're, we're educated people and you want them but there's also and, and also most people would see that and just go yeah i recognize why you wouldn't respond to that comment like because it's just pouring petrol on an already burning fire so you don't want to do it but i think you need to respond because what it does is it creates that human element and it's really important because it's about the employee brand piece as well. Because your audiences aren't necessarily just those people that actually want to take your product or your service or consider it, like, you know, bringing you in to work with them. But also you've got prospective employees on there as well. And I think, and also more importantly, you've got your own team and your own team will follow you on social. And they want to know, and they, and it's another way that marketing can reassure the internal team, the internal people that actually, do you know what? We do know what we're on about, and we actually have marketing covered, and we've got social cover because they can then see that it's been engaged, and it builds trust internally as much as it builds trust externally. I think there's a lot of focus always on the external piece. You should never forget your internal piece. What's your view on? Um like the automation of nurture journeys and that side of things when you're looking at responding because obviously you can't those things can be automated but removes the human element what's your kind of take on that i'm i'm a massive believer in marketing automation because i think that what it's doing is it's it's actually the system is there it's been programmed and it's been coded to learn from actually what people are doing on the website what it doesn't do is it doesn't think like a human it's code, it's a computer. I think that what you've got to do is have a team of people, like a person, doing the analysis to actually bring insight out of what that automation is doing. Don't also believe and trust that automation is just going to be the big messiah and it's the second coming and you're covered. No, not at all. 
It's what it's doing is it's responding off someone of what they've done, but that person won't necessarily do that same click on that same section or click on that area next time they come back to the website. And that's what you've got to be really mindful of. So when I was at Arup, one of the best things was that we, we were working around data and digital and, and the, the, the digital team, uh, the digital leader was saying like, you know, our clients want lots of data, but that data and that computer will not analyze that data. The best person to do that is a human because what they do is they will look at it equally on marketing automation. Our homepage is Google and Sometimes market automation starts off a trigger point, which is the homepage. It's not. The homepage is actually generally Google. And it's actually, how have you got your market automation set up that if someone drops into a deeper page, what then happens? Because if you haven't, and it's just based off your homepage, you're missing a huge piece of traffic. That's why it's so important to stay really close to the data. I totally agree with you, Jason. Um, absolutely. And that you have to have the right people with the right skills to be able to glean truly useful insight from the data. And you need those people and those skills right there from the beginning, um, don't you really? Whether that's in-house or by getting the experts in, when you're choosing the technology um, you need in your tech stack, because there are just so many tools available now, it's hard to ensure that you've got the right mix. Very good point. Um, one of the things that we're starting to see, um, and you've probably been, we've been to the B2B uh, MarTech shows the past couple of years, obviously this year virtual, but last year, those good old days when we were allowed to be face-to-face. Um, and it, it always amazes me how um, there's always a work stream on people finding they've still got a disjointed tech stack and they kind of buy all these lovely, it's like Christmas shopping, they buy all these amazing shiny new toys, get it into situ and then can't make it work together. Have you found that? And um, kind of what would your best kind of advice be to, to businesses today who are in that situation? Yeah, I have. And, and t- I think for me... The most important thing is about ownership, because what you've got is in a lot of B2B organizations, the ownership either sits in marketing or it sits in IT or each department thinks it sits with the other department and therefore it sits nowhere. And I, and, and I, and, and I think that what, what needs to happen, you know, and I, I'm not saying that I've, I've seen this, but my just from my experience and if I... If I was doing that, what I would do again is learn from everything that I've experienced previously and get a team in or get two owners that are aligned, one from IT, one from marketing. And what you've got is you've got that complete alignment. And what they do is they they jointly manage it. So everyone has clear expectations from it. And again, another thing is (laughs) we all like to do wash-up meetings. I'm sure as an agency, you do lots of project wash-up meetings. There was a project I worked on and it was the first time I saw it. And then I've run it ever since. Instead of doing a post-mortem, do a pre-mortem, actually sit there and go, what would make this project not work? And I think that what that will do is you don't want those hindsight moments, which is what your post-mortem, oh, if only in hindsight we had this. No, no, no. Pre-mortem it. And that actually allows you to then really ascertain where the failures of that project can be. But the project might still fail. There's still things going to happen that will you won't ex- won't have necessarily looked for or, or or seen coming. Don't worry about that. But if you pre-mortem it, at least you've kind of got the bigger ticket items covered. I love that. I love that idea. Let's think about what could potentially go wrong at the start and try and mitigate it first. I think that's a great, great plan. Is it? Do you think it's because Jodie's? You know, Jodie's right. It is 
all the all of the shiny toys, isn't it? All, and there are literally thousands of them at the moment. So many companies with varying kind of Martech offerings. Is it is it right to go and buy the next shiny new toy? Is it a good thing to do that, or should or is it kind of better to be a bit more pragmatic and? Um, I, right. I, this 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 is interesting because this is where. As a marketing team or as a CMO, as a head of department, what you're going to do is you're going to have pressure. You're going to have pressure on making the right, getting the best return, getting the best performance. I think that fundamentally what you've got to do is you've got to trust your own skills and your judgment. For me, what I've always done is sat back and gone, why? If I can't answer that why, don't answer the how and the what, answer why why and why do i need it what am i trying to achieve and then from there what you'll do is then go how different is it to what i've got now everyone wants i mean i'm the world's worst like i don't know how many pairs of new trainers i've bought over like through lockdown because i'm adamant the next pair is better than the first pair that i've got and it's like you know that's just at that if you've got then and it's a massive commitment bringing in a stack a martech stack because what it's then going is you've then got to transform the way the business will work because it's how does it that how what's your training is it you know so the fundamentally sit back and go why if you can answer that and justify it to yourself it makes it easier if we can just go back and just talk a bit more about um building trust especially especially on those social channels so you we've seen a lot of um you mentioned the, the tv advert people and bringing that human element is so important and putting a putting that personality and that face to a brand we've seen more and more of it what do you think about using especially in the b2b face uh, space sorry using influencers for things like social it's, a, it's an interesting one because i think that it, it, it's easier to define an influencer in a kind of in a consumer marketplace than it is necessarily in a, you know, in, in a B2B. I mean, straight away, what you'd look at is like, you know, you're saying influencers, the only influencer or the only person that I would look at that's got at this moment in time is that credibility is around like Matthew Syed based on his books, based on just his expertise. I think that what you need to look at is again, and I'm thinking off the hoof here, so apologies, is is really look at what are you trying to achieve through your brand and through what you're trying to like what are you what are you wanting to get across that's authentic and that will then define whether you need an influencer or actually whether fundamentally you trust your own people your own team because they they're influencers in their own rights they're the advocates for everything that you're trying to do like market is it's a strange one it's certainly in the organizations i've worked for like they go all your marketing and so therefore I expect this and this. And I was like sat down with people within Arab and, and you know, Capital is, you know, and sat there and gone, but you're equally an advocate. You're equally an influencer. It's not just marketing's job to do this. It's like, I'm not going out and pitching and presenting. You are. I'm not in front of clients and, and, and working in clients' offices. You are. And I think that I think that with business, with consumer, influencing the influencers market is absolutely, it, it's got a place. I think B2B, you'll use influencers when it's based around credibility, but sometimes don't ever forget that you've got that credibility in-house. And those people actually live and breathe that brand. Like as, as an example, my experience of working with yourselves and, you know, hands up, I've never worked with you as an agency, but straight away, like the warmth, the the friendliness, the, the kind of 
I get who you are and what you offer as an agency just based on my experience with all three of you. So your influence is in your own right. And I think that's so easily forgotten because what we don't do is we don't trust or we don't recognize who we've got internally. I mean, the best one that did it was Howard from the Halifax. Biggest influencer. But he was actually a branch manager. But he influenced and that's taken someone. If you, And I think that's where we've got to, that's what creates that, that level of, of, of authentic and, 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 and actually more trust and belief that those people are the right people. I guess if authenticity is key, it's really about looking to our customers in the B2B space and providing the case studies and the proof points that give confidence and credibility to the brand. So that's where advocacy and customer relationships become super important. That nicely brings us on to our final question. So Jason, how important are internal and partner relationships to supporting that trust strategy? Straight away, I, I think that what fundamentally what you've got to do is you have to build that trust. That trust isn't given, that trust is earned. And I think that trust is earned more internally. And and I think that what it's doing is it's about recruiting the right people and get and building that team in and, and shaping that team in the way that you want and culture is really important and fitting that way. And that also works into third parties, so agencies. When you're bringing an agency in, I always do chemistry meetings. My chemistry meeting isn't to look at what you've done. And my chemistry meeting is to look at, will I enjoy working with you? Because like I do an interview to decide whether I'm going to bring and employ someone, ditto. It's not like, okay, picture me straight away. It's like a chemistry meeting to kind of go, actually, do you know what? Do I trust? Can I, can I trust you? Can I, do, do I, do you seem genuine? Do you seem interested? Or is it, or am I just another client? And it's like, you're going to roll out. You know, that's why I never work with agencies that tell me they're going to bring in a pitch team because I want the team the team that are pitching is the team that actually I'm going to award that business because in that hour, that hour and a half where you're pitching, that's where I've got to, that's where you've got to create that belief to me and I've got to create that that trust that actually I believe what you're saying. So that is so super important. It's about building trust that way. And then once you've got that agency, I never view the fact that I have agencies working for me ever. Like it's, I don't view that I have staff working for me. I'm not a lord. I'd like to believe I am, but I'm not. Um, but, but it's more fundamentally, you are part of my team and I'm part of your team. And I think that it's it's about having that relationship of, I, there is no way that I'd ever turn around to a member of my team to say, just do it because I'm paying you to do it. If I ever, and I've heard that said before to agency and I've just sat there and gone, they're not going to do it. Like, or the agency will just deliver to what the retainer is because you're not paying into that bank of goodwill. Like, you know, I, 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 I always firmly believe that you, it's about you give and you get back. What you give is what you receive back. And I think it's about that. It's about relationships, building trust. And, and actually, more importantly, have fun. Completely agree. One of the things that kind of how the pod was was born, Jen and I, um, but both worked in house before. I think that's given kind of that unique perspective as to how we want to operate as an agency, and we do we work as an extension of the teams. But our clients, they're so they are so much fun as well. They're humans, and we're you know, we especially at the moment we see pictures of their dogs, we see pictures of their children. I think that's so important. You've got to enjoy what you're doing, otherwise it's um, it's and I don't think anybody would ever want to work in that way. It's all about the effective collaboration and communication and treating everybody as 
a skilled resource that you know you're you're aiming for that same goal so and have fun getting there completely agree with that yeah and i always look at agencies and i just have jealousy you guys have like you you come out with friday beers and like cakes and stuff like that like you can never do that a like client wise like wise or side sorry so it's yeah it's you know you want to have fun and you want to enjoy it like we, we we come to work to enjoy what we do and I think, and, and, and part of that is about the people that you work with and, and agencies. And I, and I think it's harsh for agents. I feel sorry for agencies where like you have clients that will just go, okay, you're the agency and I'm the client. And when I say do this, you're going to do that. It's like, ah, no, that was in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. It, that's, that's interesting. Like, do you think that model's changed then, Jason? Do you think the agency client model is not so much agency client now it's more about team delivering something 89 80 about 80% of me says yes I have experienced it where I've seen team not do that I've seen team go Nate like you're the agency and this is what I I expect you to do I've yeah and and also I've seen team where they haven't trusted the agency I, I saw a team once actually ask for the agency's day-by-day breakdown of what they're doing on the account for them to decide actually how they would then traffic. My team member was then deciding how they would traffic the agency's time and the account time. And I was like, and I saw this and I was like, no, no, I'm not paying you to do that. Like, and I'm not paying, like, no, you're not doing that. And and, and it's, it's, it is about that trust. And I think that where, where as a leader, I think that a leader, a CMO or a head of department, one of the things they've got to demonstrate is that leadership quality the leadership quality around trust and i think that's really really important it's it's by demonstrating that they trust the partners that they've got by demonstrating to their team they trust the way that they're managing the agency and and managing those people i think that that helped make it less client agency a more extension of team and and i think that's really important absolutely it makes for a much healthier happier relationship too <laughs> thank you so much jason it's been brilliant to talk to you today i could honestly talk to you all day but i'm sad that it's time to sign off now um before you go jason perhaps you could just give us the last few words of your wisdom any final thoughts firstly thank you very much for your time uh, it's been great like i've really enjoyed this like yeah it's uh and it's also what it's done is it's really got my my brain thinking again which is which is great i, I, I just think for me it's hard it's hard out there just trust yourself and do you know what talk tonight build, like talk to your network if you've got any questions talk to your network reach out because i think if anything what i've seen more and more is that people are wanting to share ideas and this is a great example the podcast you're doing is just bringing in a different perspective and i think that's so super important right now so yeah just you're not on your own. Just reach out and chat. Ah, thanks, Jason. What a wonderful note to end on. Before Jen and I head off, we'd like to just let listeners know that for anyone who's heard today's podcast and wants to start thinking about their own digital marketing, about building brand trust, or about how to make sure their strategy can really deliver results, there are some brilliant resources on our website. We've also just recently launched our three-step reset program, which is a fast-track six-week program to help you check on your brand position 
fine-tune your messaging, rationalize your product portfolio, and create a killer content strategy. Or just generally make sure that after everything this crazy year has thrown at us, that your marketing will still work and be effective and deliver brilliant results. If you'd like to know more, just um, visit www.themarketingpod.co.uk forward slash reset or drop me an email at hello at themarketingpod.co.uk and we'll be happy to help. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.